Welcome to the Exploring Baptist History Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Ben Stratton, and I'm a pastor in Kentucky. This is a podcast dedicated to all things Baptist history. So if you're like me and you love Baptist history, then this is the podcast you've been looking for. Well, this is our 10th episode. We've had nine before this, and I thought in honor of it being our 10th episode, here's what I thought we would do today. I thought we would look at 10 Baptists, which 10 Baptists have been the most influential in all of church history. Throughout Baptist history, which 10 leaders have been the most influential? Uh, Now, think about that, and I think that'll be a lot of fun and be kind of interesting. Now, a few things to keep in mind. Uh, So, number one, we're looking at at, at leaders, uh, preachers, and and, uh, Baptist leaders who have specifically influenced Baptists. So Billy Graham, he was a member of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, uh, Texas, when when W.A. Criswell was pastor there. But Billy Graham, his influence is, is much wider than the Baptist. His influence is out among uh, the evangelical world. So I'm not including Billy Graham. Uh, Martin Luther King, very, very influential uh, Baptist uh, pastor. Uh, but again, his influence is is not really upon Baptists. It's upon you know Americans and even men like uh, uh, Harry Truman or Bill Clinton, U.S. presidents. Uh, they were Baptist church members, but their influence is because they were presidents, presidential influence. So we're looking at men who specifically influenced. Baptist. Now, another thing to remember on this list is, uh, now I'm not going to include John Bunyan. Now, I know some of you would disagree with this, but but here's why. John Bunyan, very, very influential, and if I was, he would definitely be on this list. But the, his fellow Baptists, men like William Kiffin, uh, Henry DeAnvers, they didn't consider uh, Bunyan a Baptist. Uh, Bunyan not only practiced open communion, but he also practiced open membership. Anybody could be a member of his church. His church was kind of a have it your way when it came to uh, to their baptism policy. If you wanted to practice infant baptism, you could. If you wanted believer's baptism, that was fine. If you wanted sprinkling, that was good. If you wanted immersion, uh, that was. It was really more of a non-denominational. And Bunyan is, even though he believed personally in believer's immersion, uh, his church was pretty much basically a non-denominational church. When Bunyan died the next hundred years after his death, that church had paedo-baptist, uh, people who believed in infant baptism as their pastor. And, and finally, after a hundred years, they called a Baptist as their pastor. And the church said, we'll only call you as our pastor if you promise not to preach on baptism. So I, that's why, again, I love Bunyan. I love the Pilgrim's Progress. Great, great Christian leader, great man, uh, great author, very influential not really a much of a Baptist, if if any. So that's not why I, I'm not. That's why I'm not including uh, John Bunyan in this list. Also, uh, I'm not including any men who are alive at this time. Uh, so you might could think about Al Mohler or people like that, Mark Dever, John Piper. Uh, but but these are all men who have already passed away. Now here's what's interesting. I, I'm not going to go in chronological order, but uh, I think the first five I'm going to mention are going to be on 
everybody's list. If you ask any, uh, you know, seminary instructor, Baptist pastor, somebody who loves Baptist history, I think the first five are going to be on everybody's list. The second five is where it really gets interesting. Uh, so let's look at these briefly. I'm just going to give you a few minutes on uh, on each one. Uh, the first five, again, not in any really uh, chronological order, but I, I think you have to put one and two, uh, and then this is in order of importance, uh, but I think one and two, uh, you have to put Gill and Fuller. So John Gill, uh, 1697 to 1771, uh, Gill pastored the Goatyard Baptist Church, was a Baptist pastor of the same church for 51 years. Gill, and I think maybe the only Baptist who's ever done this, wrote a commentary on every verse in the entire Bible. Every verse, Old and New Testament, he wrote a commentary uh, and has comments on every verse uh, in the uh, in the Bible. Great theologian, wrote a lot of books. That, uh, much of his stuff has never uh, been out of print. Very influential, not only in England, but in the early American colonies. All the uh, the Baptist preachers are reading Gill. Gill keeps the particular Baptist conservative on on issues like the Trinity, on the Scriptures, on on uh, issues like that. So so Gill, I think you have to include Gill. Very very influential Baptist uh, theologian, uh, Baptist pastor, uh, influenced all of those around him. Helped keep uh, the the early particular Baptist uh, there in America and the some of the later ones in England conservative. And then you, they kind of go as a pair with Andrew Full. 1754 uh, to 1815, pastored two churches for 40 years. Uh, Fuller is a balance to Gill. So Andrew Fuller wrote the gospel worthy of all acceptation, 1785. You think about that title, the gospel worthy of all acceptation. Uh, So Gill didn't really believe in gospel invitations. He wasn't sure, you know, Gill wouldn't look at a crowd and and tell them all, you all need to trust Jesus because he didn't. He said, you don't know who the elect are, who the non-elect are. Uh, So uh, uh, Fuller was like, we got to tell everybody to trust Jesus. Uh, So Gill, uh, Fuller kind of moderated the strong, uh, strict views of Gill on things like the gospel invitation. And especially uh, there in, in the United States, once the, after the Revolutionary War, Fuller becomes very, very influential uh, in the, the early days of, uh, of, of America there. So you know, those two kind of go together. They balance each other out. So I think you have to include John Gill, Andrew Fuller. Both of them have a lot of helpful uh, writings on various topics. So that's my first two, Gill and Fuller. Then I think you have to, for three and four, include two missionaries on there, William Carey and Adoniram Judson. William Carey, 1761-1834, was a cobbler, a shoemaker, becomes a Baptist at age 22, gets saved and reads his Bible, convinced to become a Baptist, and, and Carrie is reading, he's reading about home missionaries, men who preach the gospel to different people like John Elliott, uh, the famous missionary to the Native Americans in New England. He's reading about James Cook, who uh, the explorer who went to Hawaii. Uh, he's reading about all these these 
preachers and, and these explorers, and he gets burdened for the world. He's listening to Andrew Fuller preach and men like that, and he gets a burden uh, to be a, a foreign missionary. And finally, he decides to sail to India, uh, to go to Calcutta, India in 1793 as a foreign missionary. Uh, the first person uh, in Europe, I know there's some some arguments there in America. There was some earlier than him, but uh, uh, the first man to to go uh, out of Europe as a uh, as a foreign missionary goes to India, spends his life there, translates the Bible uh, there into the native language in India, preaches the gospel, starts churches, does many good works, helps end the practice of sati, uh, sati. How you pronounce that? The, the burning of widows when husbands died. A lot of times that their widows would be burned alive, and he's able to get that cruel practice outlawed. And so uh, William Carey uh, is just a pioneer in in foreign missions. Most people say the the modern missions movement starts with William Carey, and so just uh, just has been an influence on, on missionaries down through the ages. And he influenced a man in America by the name of Adoniram Judson, the son of a preacher. Judson's got a great testimony, by the way. Uh, we think about Judson being a missionary. If you've never read the story of how Adoniram Judson got saved, read that story, man. One of the greatest testimonies in in church history. He was a skeptic, uh, kind of a deist, and ended up getting saved, when, and, and kind of like the prodigal son. And it's a powerful testimony. But influenced by William Carey, decides to become a foreign missionary. He's on route to India. Now, he's still a Pado-Baptist. He's not a Baptist. He believes in, in sprinkling. He believes in baby baptism. And he's reading his Bible. Uh, he knows he's going to have to uh, to meet William Carey and he wants to uh, to see what's it, what's this William Carey to, uh, talking about when he talks about believers' baptism. He talks about immersion. And on the long ship ride there, re- by reading his Bible, Adoniram Judson ends up becoming a Baptist. His wife becomes a Baptist. His friend, Luther Rice, who comes back to the United States, becomes a Baptist. And ends up, uh, Judson goes to Burma where he spends the rest of his life, translates the Bible into the, the Burmese language. Uh, at the time of his death, there was over a 100 churches and, and over 8,000 believers there in a Burma. So what, Carrie and Judson, very influential. Uh, the, again, they just fire up the modern missions movement and all that happens in, in the rest of the uh, the 19th century. Uh, you can trace back. I mean, they were the pioneers and they got the fires going when it came to, uh, to foreign missionaries. So I think everybody's going to have on their list Gill and Fuller, Carrie and Judson, and then of course, Probably you think about the importance, number one on everybody's list, of course, is Charles Spurgeon, 1834 to 1892. Greatest preacher of any denomination since the Apostle Paul. Uh, pastored the old church that John Gill had pastored. He was there from 1854 until his death. And uh, nobody could preach a sermon like Spurgeon. Nobody could write a sermon like Spurgeon. More of Spurgeon's sermons have been published in print than any other man who ever lived, outside again of the Apostle Paul and the, the Apostles, the men who wrote the, the Scriptures. Uh, here, it's so amazing. Now, Spurgeon dies in 1892, but he had, he, he had 
in this penny pulpit where every week they would publish a copy uh, of Spurgeon's sermons. And these were later bound up in, in volumes that were published. Uh, but when Spurgeon died, again, these penny pulpit sermons, that they were sold in Canada, sold in Australia, New Zealand, all through the British colonies in the, Amer- in the United States. He dies in 1892. And he still got hundreds and hundreds of sermons that's never been published. And they continue to publish these things up through World War One. The reason Spurgeon's new sermons, they finally stopped. You may remember during the war, the Great War, the Germans with the U-boats, the submarines were blockading uh, England and they couldn't get paper in. And so finally during the, the First World War, they had to stop publishing new unpublished sermons of Spurgeon. Uh, some of these new sermons have recently come out in the last few uh, uh, few years by the Southern Baptist Press. So there's just a great sermons, great, great preachers, wrote a lot of other books as well, started a Bible college. So Charles Spurgeon, super influential, super edifying, great, great man of God. Those five are on everybody's list, Gill, Fuller, Carey, Judson and Spurgeon. But we got five more. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Who would you put as the the other five on the list? Well, I think there's another man. I, I've got him as number six. I think he's got to be on everybody's list if you look at the facts. And that's J.R. Graves. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, well, Ben, you just like Graves. That's why you're putting him on here. Not at all. And I do like Graves, but that's not why I'm putting him on here. Graves was editor of the Tennessee Baptist newspaper from the 1850s until his death. He lived uh, 1820 to 1893. I think the most influential Baptist uh, in the history of America. Uh, under his leadership, that was the largest Baptist newspaper in the world. And back then, newspapers were kind of like blogs used to be 15 years ago. They were kind of like social media sites today. Everybody wanted to read Baptist newspapers. Graves had the number one uh, largest paper in all the, the, the world, not just the United States. Wrote over a dozen books. Most of Graves' books have never been out of print. Here shows you the influence of J.R. Graves. If you read William Cathcart's Baptist Encyclopedia. J.R. Graves has the largest entry among American Baptists. Uh, if you look at the uh, the four-volume Southern Baptist Encyclopedia, the largest entry in that is on J.R. Graves. Uh, so many good things I would tell you about Graves. Uh, I've told you, B.H. Carroll said Graves was the greatest evangelist in the antebellum South. Uh, most of what you know about Graves, what you think you know about Graves is wrong. Well, I, I, one day I'd love to write a new biography. There's desperately needs a new one, uh, a friendly biography, but a truthful one uh, about Graves. Graves saved the Southern Baptist Convention from liberalism. The Northern Baptist Convention, uh, by the end of the, the, the uh, 20th or the end of the 19th century, it was basically all the seminaries were lost, all the, the liberalism. But, but in the South, it took another couple of generations for theological liberalism to take hold. That was largely due to the influence of J.R. Graves. And I can back that up. It's just so clear when you study the history. J.R. Graves, very, very influential uh, among Southern Baptists, among Baptists in the South, and many other areas. So that's number six. Number seven, I, I thought about, okay, well, this is where we start to get, get a little tricky. But I think you have to have a Baptist. Uh, you know, one of the great Baptist contributions uh, to church history is religious liberty. 
you know, freedom of worship, uh, the the uh, the separation of church and state, if you will, the fact that you know Baptists don't believe in coercion. We don't make people join our churches. Our churches are autonomous. We don't make people in a, in a given town, city, county, nation uh, join our church. We believe in religious liberty, religious freedom, and uh, for years Baptists were the only ones who believed that. Uh, so who do you include? There's a lot of men who were, were pioneers in that. Roger Williams, not really much of a Baptist, uh, but but Roger Williams, pioneer of religious liberty. John Clark, great, great man, but he's largely forgotten for you know well over 100 years, it seems like. I, I think you probably need to put on this list for number seven, either John Leland or Isaac Backus. And I went back and forth on that because Leland is a great evangelist, uh, saw won a lot of people to the Lord, baptized hundreds, if not thousands of people, uh, had an impact on James Madison uh, and the First Amendment. Uh, Backus, uh, yeah, I went back and forth. Uh, Backus helped start Brown University. Uh, and Backus published a lot of works. He he really, they, they go together. Uh, Backus published so many works about Baptist persecutions in the past, Baptist grievances in the future, in, in the present rather. Uh, he, he went to Congress uh, and the First Continental Congress influenced a lot of people. Uh, Backus influenced many of the Americans to support the Revolutionary War. Uh, so uh, those are almost neck and neck. Maybe Backus just by hair if I had to decide, but you, you either got one of those two, and I'm going to say Isaac back is 1724 to 1806 because of his influence on religious liberty. That First Amendment in the Constitution, that's a Baptist amendment. It comes from our Baptists. We don't believe in coercion. We believe in freedom of conscience, religious liberty. All right, number eight, I think you got to have a Baptist theologian on the list. Uh, and you think about this, it's not as easy as you might think. Some of you might want to say, well, what about Boyce or Broadus? And uh, because they helped start the seminary, and of course, Boyce, uh, his uh, his book on theology. And some of you might want to think, think about John Dagg. And he wrote several books. But Boyce and Dagg, by the late 19th century, are forgotten. For about 100 years, nobody is really reading Boyce and Dagg. Uh, the Boyce is not, his his theology is not reprinted until R. E. Pound, who's a forgotten Baptist historian, by the way, he republishes. A lot of people think Ernie Reisinger did that. Ernie Reisinger got the idea from R. E. Pound. Um, that's a, a story most people don't know about, but it's it's a great little tidbit from Baptist history. Uh, Boyce wasn't republished till the mid mid to late seventies, and Dag wasn't republished till about nineteen eighty. So I, I, that's why I'm not including those men. I know we hear a lot about them today, but for about 100 years, nobody was reading uh, Boyce and Dag. I think it comes down to A.H. Strong or J.M. Pendleton. Now, Strong wrote a lot of books, but really his, his theology was the only one that was kept in print. It's never went out of print as far as I know. Uh, Pendleton, uh, his, he probably doesn't have a single work that's as influential as Strong's theology. But Pendleton has a, a ton of books, and a lot of his works, more than just one, five or six of Pendleton's works have never been out of print. His church manual, his book on Christian doctrines, uh, you think about his notes on sermons, uh, his uh, work on distinctive Baptist principles. Uh, and, and then Pendleton is a 
anti-slavery Southern Baptist. Very, very interesting. Needs a great biography and a biography by a man who's friendly. Uh, I hate when people write biographies of men that they despise. I never understand that. Uh, you know, I, so there needs to be a, a biography of a, of a, a man who admires J.M. Pendleton. But uh, I'd say Pendleton, because of uh, the multitude of his works never being out of re- never being out of print, edges out A.H. Strong by just a little bit. Pendleton is eighteen eleven to eighteen ninety one. Number nine. I think you have to to go with Shubel Stern, 1706-1771. You're saying who? Uh, Shubel Stearns. Uh, Shubel Stearns uh, was a pastor in North Carolina, pastored the Sandy Creek Baptist Church, came there in 1755, was saved under George Whitfield's preaching, studied the Bible, became a Baptist, comes to North Carolina, and, and the backwoods of the rural South at that time, very, very rough. George Whitfield said that was some of the, 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 the rural South was where he had the least success in preaching. And Shubel Stearns comes there again, organizes the Sandy Creek Baptist Church, very evangelistic. In two years, that church grows from 16 to 600. And what Stearns believes in, he believes in church planning. He believes in once a man is saved and baptized and God calls that man to preach, you train that man in doctrine, sound doctrine, make sure he's a committed Baptist. And within a year or so, you send him out to start a new Baptist church. So within 17 years of the Sandy Creek Baptist Church being started, there were 42 new churches, daughter churches, granddaughter churches that had been started by the Sandy Creek Baptist Church in 125 New Baptist churches. They tell us men who study this out by 1800, within 45 years, over 2,000 new Baptist churches have been started. People go through the South and, you know, people say, I've never seen an area of the United States where there's more Baptist churches than there are gas stations. Well, that's largely, and that's true. That's why we call it the Bible Belt. It's largely true to the influence of Shubal Stearns. He, again, believed in church planting. We need a biography of Stearns as well. Uh, and uh, to, to detail a, a large, we've got some small things that are well, uh, that are good, but uh, just a forgotten Baptist, but Shubal Stearns, largely responsible for the Bible Belt in the South. I, 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 that's why I picked him as number nine. His influence is still, what he started, still felt today. Now for the 10th one, I, I struggle because you've got all of these men you know, the Bible says about David, he served God in his generation, uh, and then he went, to, went home to, to be with the Lord. You've got all these great Baptists, J. Frank Norris, W.B. Riley, A.C. Dixon, I.M. Haldeman, you know, George Truitt, R.G. Lee, W.A. Criswell. I could name 20 more who are very, very influential in their generation, but nobody's reading them today. You know, George Truitt, you know, well over a dozen books of his sermons were published. Nobody's reading George Truitt's sermons today. Same thing with R.G. Lee. Even W.A. Criswell, who was an expository preacher, wrote a lot of books published by Broadman Press. Nobody's really reading those today. Uh, so, uh, you know, I thought, who's a man who was very influential and he's still influential after his death? And I, I, I come down, I was looking, I, I, I come down to two men, and I'll tell you who, I, I, I came down to John R. Rice and Adrian Rogers. Both of those men, very influential in their day, 
but continue to be influential afterwards. And both of them kind of tied to the Southern Baptist conservative resurgence. Uh, John R. Rice, the sword of the Lord, wrote a lot of books, and much of Rice's books are still in print, had a huge influence on that, the IFB, the Independent Fundamental Baptist Movement. Uh, what's interesting about Rice, a lot of people don't know, in the 1970s, uh, you know, the Baptist, Southern Baptist newspapers were just, just rotten. There was very little good material in the average Southern Baptist newspaper. It was just all denominational news, articles by liberal professors in the seminary. And so in the 1970s, multitudes, the average conservative Southern Baptist pastor was reading the Sword of the Lord uh, to get conservative sermon ideas, to get conservative commentary out of it. But Rice was very, very influential uh, in, in his day and still is today. But I, 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 instead of picking Rice, I went with Adrian Rogers, 1931 to 2005. The greatest, probably the greatest Baptist preacher of the 20th century, uh, Adrian Rogers, great, great, wrote a lot of books, and his books are still being read today uh, because of some trusts that were made at the last few Southern Baptist conventions. Um, his books are passed out, and the preachers line up in droves. Even men who don't like to read, don't like books. They, they passed out thousands of copies uh, this year at the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans of Adrian Rogers' sermons. Great, great preacher. The Love Worth Finding program is still on TV today. Rogers, of course, pastored Bellevue Baptist Church from 1972 to his death. Uh, he kind of he retired shortly before he died, was pastor emeritus, but around till 2005. And Rogers is the main leader in the Southern Baptist Conservative Resurgence, helped turn the Southern Baptist Convention around. And so that's why I picked Adrian Rogers. As number 10. So who's my top 10 most influential Baptist in all of Baptist history? John Gill, Adrian Rogers, or excuse me, John Gill, Andrew Fuller, William Carey, Adoniram Judson, Charles Spurgeon, J.R. Graves, Isaac Backus, J.M. Pendleton, Shubal Stearns, and Adrian Rogers. Uh, now you can tell me and uh, shoot us an email. Let us know uh, who you would change, uh, what you think about this, and uh, uh, let us know. And I, I may have overlooked somebody who's very influential in their day and continue to be influential uh, after uh, their death. Uh, as always, remember, check out the J.H. Spencer Society on Twitter and on Facebook. We're constantly trying to, at least a, a couple of times a week, uh, to put some good Baptist material, Baptist history material you won't find anywhere else. Uh, so I hope uh, hope all this has been a help to you. All these men we talked about, they love Jesus, they love the Lord, and they served Him uh, for God's glory. And, and we can follow their example. Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. We can follow their example as they follow Jesus. Well, I trust this has been a help to you and hope you'll tune in next time for another episode of Exploring Baptist History. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.